Hi, I'm Denny Van. I live with severe food sensitivities. I'm Chef Ken, and I teach people with food sensitivities how to cook. Welcome to the Food Sensitives Podcast. And welcome back to the rebirth of Mizan Plaz. And today we're going to be talking to Chef Ken about recipes. So, Chef Ken, what is it that you were telling me some formula? What is that formula? Well, the formula of success to avoid recipes of disaster. And um, for food sensitives or people who have allergies to certain foods, recipes are. Um, let's take diabetics. There's a whole culture of recipes and cookbooks just geared for people with diabetes. Unfortunately, we have people with diabetes who have food sensitivities, and there's a lot of stuff out there they can't even cook because of that. So what I'm getting to here is to have the formula of success, avoid recipes of disaster and what that means is, let's take a chocolate chip recipe. You might use all-purpose flour and this and that, chocolate chips with soy lectin, but you're allergic to the flour and the soy. So what do you do? You have to get substitutes. And then you have to practice. And out of trial and error, you create a cookie. And for us... That's exactly what we have to do with every recipe. And it has been trial and error. Your boys both love Mexican food, fajitas with fried rice, refried beans, gotta have tortillas. Everyone in this house is allergic to corn. We can't have corn tortillas, we have to have rice tortillas. So you have to make them. It took a little bit of effort, not much, but we have awesome rice tortillas now for our taco night and fajita nights and if anybody's interested just you know give us a call i'll give you that rice tortilla recipe oh yeah we're going to be demonstrating that tortilla mm -hmm. recipe for sure yeah and i remember when key was going through this it took like several times until he figured out oh i'm gonna i'm gonna substitute this with this and he discovered that it made the tortilla more pliable more rollable mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was trial and error and it led to success one thing i like to um, point out is you said the word discovered what i like to do with my students is i have the capability and knowledge and the techniques to help it run smoother in your kitchen for you but i kind of gear it for you to discover it for yourself. Like for example, you use a little bit of tapioca starch in the tortillas to make them more pliable. I never told your kid that. Let him figure it out for himself. Help him make it, help him get to the point where he decides himself if this is good or not good enough and then explore with more recipes. And that's avoiding the recipe of disaster and what that did avoid was him having his friends come over and him them him making subpar tortillas. He figured it out. He took the time. Now everybody's like, just like downtown. And, and for example, like our chocolate chip cookies can't have a lot of the ingredients you get from, even if you go to your local baker who you love their product, 
there's soy lectin in, in the chocolate chips alone. Let's not even mention what's in the cookie ingredients in itself. We had to take the time, mess with a recipe or adjust with a recipe, substitute things, came up with an awesome cookie that you can't buy anywhere. And once again, folks, I share, you'd love these cookies. And we could give them to our friends and family, neighbors, not worry about if someone has to have gluten-free because they are. And when they ask, are those gluten-free? Or I can't have them because I have to have gluten-free. We could smell and say, they are. And there you go. You've made a friend for life. And you haven't even had to do anything about it. But that's what I mean by avoiding recipes of disaster is you take, and you're going to have to, folks. If you have a food sensitivity, you're allergic to things, part of your mise, part of your mindset is right off the bat, doesn't matter who or where you get your recipes from, you look up on the internet and you say, I want to look up uh, tortillas like we did or cookies like we cooked or whatever your favorite stuff is you get that recipe you in your mind already know you're going to make substitutions and it might be a good idea to get two or three and always get one that's gluten-free and then you adjust it and play with it and that's what i mean by making a recipe and then you write down the ingredients. It's in your recipe book, which is going to be a challenge of ours. And my personal favorite, which will never end, which will always be going. You could always contact me about your recipe book and, and we could take it from there. Yeah, when Key um, really nailed down the chocolate chip recipe for us, I'll never go back to Toll House cookies. I can never go back. They were amazing. And there was a time when I was first discovering my own sensitivities and allergies. I would go and buy cookies that were gluten-free, quote unquote, right? And they tasted horrible. It's like all I wanted was a chocolate chip cookie. And you would end up, you know, trying other things and maybe even getting turned off by what they tasted like but when when you were working with key and working with oatmeal cookies and um, chocolate chip cookies and i tried one of them oh my gosh when you're able to eat something so good like that you don't miss it that's right and not only that like we were talking about the me's and building confidence in the kitchen you'll find yourself experimenting going to one extreme or the end and let's take oatmeal cookies for example you might find yourself using more or less of baking powder to make more or less of a cake cookie but i really suggest is folks should adjust and play with their recipes even to the point where if they can do it um go too far on certain ingredients so you know what is too much or you know what is too little and that's what helps you avoid having a recipe of disaster that's what helps you get into your mind and your mindset of doing things without it comes natural second nature for us. I think like um, Key is a natural mad scientist because one time he was like, I'm going to half this recipe because I'm going to try substituting this or I'm going to add this because he was in experiment mode and it was in that experimenting mode that he discovered the best combination for chocolate chip cookies. Right. That's exactly how it happens. 
you know, and, and it standardizes things. So let's say you've got a recipe written down. You might know it in your head after a while, but you know, the kids or a friend comes over to help you. They follow a recipe and I use the word standardize or standardization because us as chefs on the professional level, we use recipes so the rest of our kitchen and cooks could follow the standard recipe. We use it for our food cost analysis and to cost everything out in portion control and stuff like that. For you at home, it's not so critical. To write down the recipes, though, it helps you memorize them. And no one's got a perfect memory. You don't know if it's a half teaspoon or a whole teaspoon or this and that sometimes. And just to warn you, recipes and this is what excites me so much about the rebirth of mise en place and definitely the rebirth of the family cookbook is just to warn you you've just like my family you got folks that are allergic to this or this this and that can't have this or that and you get tired of asking can you have this can you have that so it's in the recipe book where you say this cookie is made just for my son or daughter, you know what I mean? Everybody else could love them, of course, but let's say you're going to a family gathering, you bring those cookies, there might be others that are, you know, you'd have something that is very, very much geared towards people with sensitivities. You know, that's, for me, this family, I got tired of asking. You did. <laughs> can you have this? And, and, and I got tired of answering. <laughs> right. And that's what made the recipe book so exciting for me because I'm a classically trained chef. Uh, I've worked in some of the finest places this country has to offer. I've run huge ones. But what I'm getting to is recipes off the top of my head. I make recipe books for my cooks to follow. So I'm not geared to follow, you know, oh, let's make cookies, bring out the recipe book. I already got a hundred cookie recipes in my head. And so, I love what Key did um, with the chocolate chip cookies because um, my husband can't have chocolate. So what he did was he put aside some uh, of the cookies and made just for him and then added the chocolate for the rest of us. So he was able to uh, incorporate everyone in the family. Um, and that's what the rebirth of Mies is about, is to help you get the mindset so that you could cook almost like a line cook. And that's why I'm saying professionally, it ha- you almost have to have that attitude and mindset now just to cook for your family or extended family. And I'm blessed and was fortunate to have a, a, a big family. I'm the oldest of eight. You're my sister. I'm yeah. the second oldest of eight. Right. So everybody <laughs> knows this is a nepotism thing here. But what I'm getting to is um, I would make a menu. And my brothers and sisters for breakfast could order omelets, waffles, pancakes. And young, I got into being able to be that flexible. And it's not hard. With a little bit of practice and patience, anybody could have a household full of kids and all of them have different diets and you'd be able to whip up um, different dinners at the same time so they could all eat at the same table and and enjoy each other's company. And that's what this is about. And recipe building, recipe making is a strong part of that. And it helps you as the cook 
get your mindset straight, make it solid, you know, and it's just like repetition after a while, whatever you do repetitively becomes second nature. And that's what recipe making and building will help you do in your own home kitchen. Because you know, after a while, let's say you're making a certain dish that everybody loves. We call it people chow, a certain mix of noodles, rice noodles here in this house and other ingredients that we all could eat. And it's pretty flexible. We do not have a written recipe down for our people chow, but we do know what we like to put into it. And you, yeah, our people chow consists of a carb, your noodle, a protein, what meat you want to put, you know, ground beef, tuna, whatever, and then a vegetable and whatever sauce you want to make it. You, you can, you can change the sauce up to make it a little bit more spicy and Mexican or more Alfredo. So you're able to, to just make one dish, but have a whole variety of ways to make that one dish. Right. Exactly. And when it comes to recipe building or making for our friends at home, I would suggest taking beef, your favorite piece of meat or whatever like that and think how many different dishes you could make with that piece of beef just like sliced beef or cubed beef even ground beef whatever's easy for you to think of like for example let's take ground beef you got from hamburgers to meatballs to meatloaf to spaghetti and spaghetti sauce right and you know hamburger Tacos. helper type stuff and like we say people chow we put hamburger in our people chow lap but um when you're doing that try to limit your ingredients um so you're not unless it's a favorite and you use it a lot not having one thing like uh, let's say cloves for example just for one dish taking up spot in your spice cabinet that you don't use very often and, and like i said unless you use it a lot us chefs do not like to have a, a dish or, or or on our menus that require us to buy a certain item just for that dish for you know we get chicken in and there's all kinds of chicken dishes right you get uh, um, lamb in there's a couple different lamb dishes you, you but anyway what i'm saying is try to avoid having one item that you have to go out of your way for for just one thing as you get more experienced and get more confident you could incorporate that stuff but right now try to and as we we go forward we're going to um, do stuff where you can see it on YouTube. Can I say that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Talk about, talk up our YouTube channel. Yes. Okay. Um, as we go forward, you'll see stuff that we will make up on YouTube where you'd see how easy it is. Um, there's keto people, who, uh, folks who, um, meat and veggies, they stay away from the carbs and it's hard to stay away from your carbs, your noodles, your breads, and stuff like that. And a lot of folks look at it as being very limited in scope of what you could have. But there is a lot of things you could do with just beef and broccoli. You can do several different things and give yourself a variety of meals that keep you involved, that you don't get bored with, that you know, keep lifting your morale. So that, you know, that's, that's just one aspect of it. 
Yeah, and we're going to be talking about your ingredients list in the next episode for sure, because that's going to be the next important thing on the mise-en, the rebirth of mise en place. And, and, and it's, it's a natural flow, the ingredients list, because your recipe building helps you to be more intimately involved with your ingredients list. And you become more observant and aware of what these ingredients do in your dishes and how they're applied. And before you know it, you're going to be saying, I don't need that. I don't need this. And what if I add this or that? And what I love about the rebirth of mise en place in a recipe book that uh, uh, we'd like to get everybody involved in is um, it's restructuring food the way it's made these days sad the standard american diet is dying it is it doesn't work everyone knows it doesn't work and it's time for us at home to adjust our lives for it and that'll help you discard or dismiss some of these myths on the food chain and as you live it and eat it and see how it makes you feel i mean proofs in the pudding you'll know for sure i'm i'm worried for those folks out there that don't think they have a food sensitivity i eat bread all the time this and that doesn't bother me or i you know consume this and i cook that and i'm fine Yet their tummy is distended and they're having digestive issues all the time. Right? I'm a perfect example of that. You know, I, I came to home. I'm working with you. I, my diet changes so that I could work with these young men with their diets. But what I'm getting to is I noticed that I do have food sensitivities. Um, I gave up certain kinds of breads. My life got better. I felt better. And I didn't know I felt better until I'm like, oh, I got a craving for this. And I had it and I felt sick. And I was like, man, maybe I do have food sensitivity. Hey, you're related to me. <laughs> exactly. But after, you know, decades in a, you know, a professional kitchen, you, I've eaten everything. And, and it's except for shellfish, which I have a slight allergic reaction to, I could eat anything. And I did not know, and, and, and bread was it. You know, I like my grilled cheese sandwiches, and you could buy the dollar loaf of bread that's got all this stuff in it. Never thought nothing of it until I didn't have it for a while. And then, oh my goodness, did I not feel good. And then another point is my spaghetti. You know, I've been having rice noodles with you guys. It took a while for me to get used to the texture until I had a craving for spaghetti and meat sauce i went and got my regular old spaghetti i ate that and i i'm not going to eat it again i will go i'll stick with rice noodles whatever the preservatives are or the additives as well as the what they make spaghetti from messes with your system and you know what it might not even be the natural ingredients like the wheat and stuff that's in the spaghetti but the preservatives and the additives get to us. And yeah, because we discovered that with bread when you know you you were getting your dollar loaf with all of the 
chemicals in it and then you found a bread that had wholesome ingredients and no, nothing added to it, you didn't have that reaction. So looking at ingredients, looking at ingredients, and then making an ingredients list, we're going to be talking about that next, because whether you're just discovering your food sensitivities or if you've known about them, we have a tendency to look at all of the things we can't have. And so when we make this ingredient list of all the things we can have, from that list, you can create hundreds of different recipes from all of the foods that you can have. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why you start with your favorite foods. Especially, I would encourage people to start with favorite foods they can't have. So you're immediately having to substitute things. And then get a hold of us. I'll help you with substituting things and, and working through a recipe that you would be happy with. Most definitely. That's what I do for a living. It, you know, it comes easy. And that's why you do that. You have the recipe in front of you and you change it to your recipe, to your family's cookbook and take it and own it and you would not believe how good it'll be for everybody around you i mean it's 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 amazing you know the, the way i look at it recipes are the start the foundation it's like a blueprint to building a house right if you're gonna or a model it doesn't matter it is the first thing you look at and do to put your your, your dinner or your meal together. And it should be something that you are accustomed and confident and knowledgeable about every aspect of it. And if you're not, substitute it for something that you are. Yes. And I want to mention that we are going to be doing a recipe book challenge in our social learning Facebook group, the Food Sensitives Community. And that is going to be happening really soon. So be sure to uh, check that out. Next, we're going to be talking about the ingredients list as we continue on this series of the rebirth of mise en place. Right, oh yeah, and if you don't want to miss any of it, please do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, uh, also email us so I can get to know you, email you back, and uh, let's take it forward and start enjoying what we put into our bodies. Yep, and that email is thefoodsensitivesnetwork at gmail.com. See you next time.